Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio, Sal Capaccio on WGR. Coverage of the NFL Combine on WGR brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Sal Capaccio joining us from Indianapolis, where... You know, Sal, every headline is, you know, the buzz in Indianapolis. The word in Indianapolis seems to be. The last one I read was <laughs> was that the Patriots are really leaning quarterback at number three. So that'd be interesting. What what have you got? What's the buzz in Indianapolis uh, in the last 24 hours? Ooh, that's a good one. I do think, I think the buzz in Indianapolis league-wide is, it looks like, you know, the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks and... Yeah, I think all these teams are in position who need one. So it'd be really surprising at this point, I think, the buzz is, if the Bears, Commanders, or Patriots jumped out of their spots because those seem to be earmarked for quarterbacks, and there happen to be three quarterbacks that most agree that are worthy of those three spots. Yeah, and if we just kind of play the draft out a bit, that likely means that Marvin Harrison Jr. goes fourth to the Cardinals. We think that he's... Wide yep, receiver, I one. think so. Now here, well, this is a good one. This is a good one, Jeremy. Now you know, say the buzz is right. So maybe not buzz, but I'll say this: one of the things that's coming out this week is there are a lot more people. I will tell you that are willing to share that they don't think Marvin Harrison. Hmm, let me put it this way: they think Marvin Harrison's great. They think they want to put Malik Neighbors maybe ahead of him. Hmm. Uh, there, there are more people willing to tell you that, and they do it with one of those, listen, it's a qualifier. I'm not crazy, or you might think I'm crazy, <laughs> but then they tell you that maybe Marvin Harrison isn't the actual number one receiver in this class. Yeah, I know Chris Trapasso is one that has Malik Neighbors mm-hmm. ahead of Marvin Harrison right. Jr. Sales in Indianapolis, he's got a piece up on our website, State of the Defensive Line, the Defensive Tackle Position, and also we can talk a little bit about Tredavious White and what the plan is there. So I saw yesterday on Defensive Line, so you did State of the Defensive Tackles, and yesterday a lot of defensive linemen spoke. There's one guy in particular, first off, he wears number four while playing defensive tackle, which means I'm moving him up my board just for that. <laughs> Jerzon Newton of Illinois, he, he was at the podium and he mentioned – Ed Oliver specifically, and he mentioned studying Ed Oliver's game and referenced the idea of, like, if they were to play together, that would be Sac City. And, you know, there's there's a funny little thing here with, with the Bills and defensive line. They have Ed Oliver, and we mm-hmm. know that he's really good. They've just extended him. They're going to need help on the defensive line. 
do you think they would go for another Ed Oliver type? Right, because the way that the so Bills, it's a great question, the, the way the Bills use their defensive line, they like to be a penetrating defensive line. But they, of course, had guys like Daquan Jones and Linval Joseph signed off the street to kind try and help things out. And if it was Star Latulale right off the bat, they're always going to want an anchor in there. It seems, and I wonder if they would ever spend the premium asset on that anchor kind of guy. So when it, when it, when you look at the state of the defensive line and how the Bills have historically built it with McDermott, is there a, a tell in the kind of guy they would spend a premium asset on? You know, we were talking yesterday a little bit in the afternoon about Byron Murphy, who's the same style, too. He's a little bit of a um, smaller guy. 6'1", 308. That's a smaller defensive tackle. <clears throat> and I, I said the same thing you did. I, I don't know if the Bills would do that. Now, he actually he said he met with the Bills, and that's how it came up. Now, that's great, and, you know, You'd love to have guys like Ed Oliver being able to, you know, play on your team every game. But I don't know if it's the greatest, you know, roster construction or at least how the Bills feel it feel it is to put those two guys next to each other. So the Bills are gonna draft a DT high. I don't know if you want someone like Ed Oliver. You know what you want? Someone like Daquan Jones. Right? I mean, Daquan Jones is, you know, six four, three twenty. He's a space eater, but he's also a penetrator because that's the defense, and he did so good at both of those things. To me, that's the kind of defensive tackle that pairs better with Ed Oliver on a game-to-game basis. Sure, do you love to have guys like Ed Oliver and just say, yeah, go go wreak, go wreck havoc, right? Re- uh, go, You cannot, but, but to me, I think you're giving up what the Bills really like to do, which is have a, one, of, one of each and play off each other, and... I think you're hurting your linebackers by doing that, which is one of the reasons why the Bills linebackers have been, you know, pretty good. If they don't have, if they can stay clean, you know, they can go make plays. So it's a really good question. And I've wrestled with that myself. This might come down to, you know, just if the guy was super much standing up on your board, like if you have your board and he's really high and you get to 28 and you're like, how can we pass on this guy? Yeah. He's not the exact fit we always like to have, but you got to take him because he's just too darn good of a football player. But I do think roster construction wise, it's not really what the Bills normally like to do when they put two DTs together. Yeah. They, again, like in football, this is the other thing, Sal. You kind of have to pick what you're going to be good at. And to mm-hmm. the, I, maybe to the chagrin of some Bills fans, I know that Sean McDermott wants to be great against the run. Every defensive coordinator wants to be. But I do feel like the Bills have often prioritized how good they have to be against the pass, right? Pass and stop the pass. Of course, you do want to run and stop the run. But when they're when they're making choices, whether it's at linebacker or if it's at you know safety and corner, do their decisions generally tend to tilt towards the guys that are going to be a little bit better in the passing game? Like they're always going to, if all things are equal, what guy's better against the run? One guy's better against the pass. To the detriment of the run game, I feel like they've leaned on the passing game there. I think they have as well, especially in the evolution since Sean McDermott took over, and I think even when he became, you know, head coach in their roster construction. So I think a good indication of that would be a guy like Tremaine Edmonds. You know, Tremaine Edmonds was this new age type of middle linebacker. And a lot of people did say he was out of position. I might agree to a point. I would say, and I've, I've said this many times, 
Tremaine Edmonds is not an edge edge player, but he might have fit better in a 3-4 inside, not a 4-3 inside. You know what I mean? He's not a middle linebacker. Maybe his best trait is 3-4 inside linebacker because he's not a true middle linebacker running to A-gaps and plugging up runs. What is he? Sideline to sideline, and he's super rangy, and he was really good in zone defense, not in man-to-man, of course. You know, we saw him get beat there a few times. Just to, It's just too tough for him. But I think that's a great indication, Jeremy, what you're talking about, which is – Hey, yeah, I mean, they've you've kind of built their defense towards stopping the pass. Now, Matt Milano is just an all-everything type of linebacker, but you know he doesn't come off the field because he's a three-down guy because he's so good against the pass. You can put him against tight ends and, and, be, and be good there. He can get out in zone coverage. I think that's another area where you can say, like, how they built their team. Linebacker, uh, defensive line, rotation. Why do they rotate? Because they want to penetrate, and they want to chase down quarterbacks, and they know that they need a bunch of guys to go in and out and do that. So, yeah, I do think that that's probably right. Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline from Indianapolis. Jeremy White, Nate Geary. You can check Sal's piece at WGR550.com on the state of defensive tackle. Oh, sorry, Nate. I thought you had something. That's oh, fine. Oh, I was going to ask about defensive tackle. One go more for about it. Well, Let's do it. Yeah, go right like, ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wrote yesterday about it. Go ahead. So, Sal, you kind of talked about these the, the type of player that the Bills, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott might be looking for. And, and I like the marriage conversation you have with linebacker because the type of linebacker the Bills have right now with Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano – they are much smaller linebackers in the NFL. I mean, when we're talking about Tremaine Edmonds and Terrell Bernard, you know, the replacement for for Tremaine Edmonds, how much different do you think they need to think about the type of player that needs to be in front of those guys? Even though, you know, Edmonds had the size, like he was a much bigger player than Terrell Bernard was, Bernard, to me... Uh, was actually surprising to me last year, Sal, how easily and how well he was able to get off blocks. I I guess that was the one area I really worried about him as a Mike linebacker in the NFL because of his size. So do you feel like you kind of go in with the same mindset of who needs to be in front of these linebackers, like when you kind of thought the the sort of the same structure you were going to have with Edmonds, or do you feel like you can get away with smaller interior defensive linemen because Edmonds showed he can be a block shedder at, even at his size? Yeah, I think that it's a good conversation as far as their even their size is so different, right? Edmonds and Bernard, but how they get off blocks is different because of that. And Edmonds, you know, he had trouble at times. He got swallowed up at times, but he was so he also was so big that that was, you know, to his advantage. Terrell Bernard just doesn't get blocked a lot of times, right? I mean, he just he's able to find it's the same with Matt Milano. You watch Matt Milano, they're just kind of able to avoid that kind of stuff. I don't think they have to really worry about who's behind them and how they structure their defensive line. I think that they are very comfortable with the two linebackers they have. Yesterday, the D line and the linebackers, you know, they were out there and they were talking at the podium, and then it was really funny because Josh Reed and I we saw each other. And we're like, oh, here come the linebackers. We don't need to pay attention to them. We laugh because the Bills are set at linebacker, we think, right, with Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard. Not the case at defensive tackle. The big thing about defensive tackle for the for the Bills guys is the state of the team. So they have seven defensive tackles who are under contract at the end of the season. They currently have two heading into free agency. They have five defensive tackles scheduled to become free agents. Now, that could change between now and March 13th. They have, Right now, as we sit here, Two defensive tackles under contract. Two. Ed Oliver and Ilianku. That's it. Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Linval Joseph, Puna Ford, 
all set to become free agents. The question is going to be how much is Daquan Jones going to want? How much is he going to command coming off the pec injury? Yes, he returned 32 years old. He had a really nice year. I don't know if he's going to make what the Bills paid him. The Bills paid him $7 million over the last couple of years each, each year. I don't know if he can get that much in the market, but if he gets close to that, I don't think the Bills can afford to bring him back, to be quite honest with you. Maybe you have to probably hope that he can get, you know, four or five, and maybe you can do that and you can structure the deal where it's much easier for you. Jordan Phillips talked about possibly retiring at the end of the year. I don't think it's going to be hard to get him back if he wants to play. And you're like, yep, you know, the system, he can come back. He shouldn't have, you know, much more, um, much higher offers from other teams than the vet minimum anyway. I'm curious to see what Tim Settle gets. I don't think he lived up to his contract in Buffalo, to be quite honest. Um, but, you know, he had a couple nice years in Washington. Maybe another team feels he can do better than what he did with the Bills. I think he was better last year than he was in 22 with the Bills. But I don't see the Bills making it a priority unless, again, you're talking about a really low deal. And then Linval Joseph and Puna Ford just seem like guys that, you know, they might wait this out again and see what the market holds for them. Although Puna Ford's only 28, and, you know, there there might be a market for him. It's, it's some team more than there was last year. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You mentioned it's Ed Oliver and Ilyanku, and Ilyanku is the uh, – well, he's on and off the roster 30 times during the year, so it almost feels like it's, yep. that's only one guy because – I mean, he's right. he's been hanging around this organization forever. So you also have pieces up uh, a piece up about Trey White and Matt Milano and their respective rehab. Yeah, I do. And Sean McDermott, I mean, and Brandon Bean both talked about the guys rehabbing. And Brandon Bean it was interesting listening to him talk about that because, well, first of all, we all know that you know Matt Milano, as Brandon Bean said, had like a, a freak injury kind of. He said what what Brandon Bean said it was a like a non traditional football type of injury. I mean, when do you really, and that's true. When do we ever hear of like a linebacker had a broken leg and couldn't play anymore, right? I mean, that's just a, a different kind of injury. Usually it's knees and ankles and sprains and ligaments. That's not the case of Matt Milano. So I, I feel like, you know, they're very confident that Matt Milano is going to come back sooner rather than later. And whether that's in April or May, like he'll be ready to rock and roll. It's not necessarily the case with Tredavious White. And no one seems to know. And he is attacking, and I don't think they want to put him, they want to put it in a, you know, commit. And he even said, we don't want to commit to either guy when they're going to be on the field. And I'm not sounding the alarm at all saying, oh my God, Tredavious White may never get back. What I'm saying is the Bills have, by their own admission here through Brandon Bean, they have to determine when Tredavious White not only is going to be back on the field, but, you know, when he can get back to the level of play where they're, you know, comfortable with him playing a lot and making the kind of money he's making because that's where the contract comes in. I mean, Brandon Bean even said, is that, during off season, is it during the season? Is it two years from now? And I'm thinking, boy, if that's the wide range of outcomes, you really have to pin this down. The medical is going to matter. You know, the, the player, the DNA. He said, you know, the, the the competitive nature, the character of him attacking the rehab every day. That's going to be something that you know they believe in Tre'Davious White. But the issue, guys, is Tre'Davious White's on the books for sixteen million dollars. And if you if you want to lower that there's only a couple options now you could release him six million dollars you could save but you're going to eat ten million dollars for a player not on the, on the team and it's Tredavious White and I think that that's probably something that you'd look at and go I don't know if I really want to do that am I am I better with Tredavious for 16 or not with him and eating 10 million of that right it doesn't make sense so I don't think that's necessarily the best way and the what they would want to think you could also lower his base salary turn it into a signing bonus and then probably give him another year on his contract, even if it's a void year, you could spread it out. That might be what you have to do here, but that's going to kick a little money down the next couple of years, and you're going to be paying for it. So you'd hope that he'd come back and you feel comfortable, but that might be the option. You could wait until June 1st. You could release him then, and then you do save $10 million this year, but then you're taking on cap hits 
next year six million dollars another four million dollars in 2025 i just don't think there's a clean cut answer here and i think it's a fascinating situation obviously the the best scenario is they get back to buffalo in march april whatever he's rehabbing they're like man this guy looks good and we're ready to rock and roll let's let's play call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline from Indianapolis. So today, testing begins for defensive linemen. I know they're on the list. Defensive linemen will be testing today. And there's there's one name to watch, right? Ready, Bills fans? You want a name to watch? I saw this player mocked the Bills late first round. It's edge rusher Chop Robinson, who is have <laughs> you have you, you, you learned much about him yet, Sal? Great name, by the way. Right. I haven't learned so much about him. His name yeah. his, his his name is Chop Robinson. I'm reading an article at uh, NFL.com that he is uh, called Chop. He's also sometimes called Plump Robinson. Anyway, wow. I like both. Okay. Chop comes from his his not his mom nicknamed him Pork Chop when he was a kid, and then it kind of got shortened to Chop. Anyway, Penn State edge rusher he tests today. He is attempting to do three things that are rarely done at the combine. He's an edge rusher. He's hoping to run a four four, post a broad jump of eleven feet, and get a thirty eight to forty inch vertical. Sometimes you'll see I forget who it was who it is Nate or so you might remember someone has their freaks list. Where they're yeah uh, yeah that's right yeah who is it is it um, I can't remember it's not Brugler is it Dane Brugler maybe somebody every year does a freaks list which is the guys coming out that maybe don't have the biggest production or the highest whatever but their their physical attributes are off the charts and Chop Robinson today when he tests might you know rocket up boards if he gets to his goals he's done some of these things at Penn State doing them at the combine is of course doing it for everybody. Anyway, so what I'm getting to is it's it's by the way it's Bruce Feldman. Okay, Bruce, yeah. thank you. Yep, Bruce Feldman's freaks. Thank you. So, what the Bills, uh, of course, like defensive end could be in the mix here. And the reason I bring him up is I saw someone post a side by side of the last few Bills draft classes. And Sal, this is something that we it's well documented, and a lot of Bills fans know this. They if they see a freak, they like to take a freak. They go yep. for the RAS, which is relative athletic score. So if you show the Bills a defensive end with a 9 or a 10 relative athletic score, I don't know if they can help themselves. They, they love their athletes, and there's also a track record sale of guys that maybe haven't put up the biggest numbers in college, and they don't really care about that. They're looking at traits, you know, whether that's yep. Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, whatever. Um, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, right. They're looking at traits. And for Chop Robinson, like, I don't know if the Bills will take him. I don't know if he'll last to 28, but this, like, to me, is the kind of guy with, that's at a position that traits over production. It's something the Bills are definitely not afraid of. 
the difference with this guy is, though, he is a freak and a really great player and thought highly of, right? Do you know who Lance Zerline has his comparison to on his NFL? Lance Zerline always does NFL comparison. You know what his comparison is? No. Micah Parsons. Okay, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> even though he is a freak, he's not – see, see the, what, what I, I agree with you. The Bills do love athletic freaks, and they, they will take them even early. So, certainly he would fit the profile. Don't disagree at all. I think what the Bills really like to do is maybe find a freak a little bit later, right? Spencer Brown. I mean, Spencer Brown for the athletic traits he has for a big guy. Tommy Doyle. Oh, my God, right? But then again, Greg Rousseau is this guy, right, guys? Greg, Greg Rousseau. Rousseau. Yeah. Yep, he is the, He is a, real, a poster child for what you're talking about, Jeremy, of a first-round pick where he is just his athletic traits are, traits are off the chart. That was COVID. He didn't play the year before in college. But, man, you got to get your hands on this guy and the things he can do. They like to draft players like that. I agree with you. It's not always about the production. This guy is very productive, but he's also just he's highly thought of. Um, edge defender who offers – the type of athleticism, this is Lance Zerline, we've seen from players like Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett. That's what he writes about this guy. Pretty good. Pretty good. I've also seen Darius Robinson. He's another one, like a guy that can play up and down the line, Missouri guy. Yeah. Um, he, he turned heads at the – He's a big well, boy. At the pro, let, let me ask you guys a question since I have you, yeah. if I can real quick. And I don't mean – okay, so it's, it's a good question. Like, because the – all right, you're the best person to answer, ask this, Jeremy. You're on the wide receiver train, but – Without with with separating that and wanting to just say no, we're full steam ahead. Maybe you do. With this receiver class being so deep, and the Bills being a team, Bills have two guys again. One one guy really under contract, and what their defensive line group looks like, and what the injuries to you know that group last year. I mean, if you get a guy that's standing out there, would you rather take him at the end of the first round and then wait on receiver and get a couple in the second and fourth or fifth? Yeah. It's you know it's it's a year that reminds me of I'm trying to think back it was the McGahee year they take McGahee in the first round and Chris Kelsey in the second round yeah and that's right. the story was like a lot of Bills fans would have at that time said Kelsey in the first round is fine they needed that position I can't believe they passed on him then they get him in the second round so as the uh, whatever conductor engineer of the wide receiver train on Thursday night if they go in a, a certain direction you know I'll come in Friday morning I'll say. Talk to me after tonight because there are going to be five or six receivers that are going to be someone I'm going to want. And it would just be a big gamble to me to be to wait into the end of that round. They might have to get a You might have to trade up in the second yeah, round. Yeah, they might have to. Yeah. Like I'm fully aware the board could fall any number of ways, Sal. So, you know, do I need 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 them to take the sixth receiver at twenty eight? Yes, unless they don't, and then by the end of Friday I can feel good. So uh, it's kind of a cop out. But if the, if they're going to gamble like that, I'm going to wait until the gamble is over before I get upset about it. One thing I want to add here too to the sale is the idea of overdrafting wide receivers, right? Like reaching for a wide receiver. And I think back to the 2022 draft, and people talked about Christian Watson. He, I think he goes like what the second pick of the second round, yeah. right? And people talked about the drop that you had. I think the next receiver was like Traylon Burks, and then it was Christian Watson. And Traylon Burks goes what uh, in this draft? He goes eighteen, and you're not you don't have another wide receiver pick until thirty four. I don't feel like in this particular draft, if you have a dramatically better grade on a defensive lineman, 
I think I gotta trust Brandon Bean to just say this gap is too wide, this player is too good for me to pass up or to reach on this next one. The grades just don't make sense. I just don't know that now in this draft that a reach exists. If if the Bills had taken Christian Watson uh, at twenty three instead of Kyrie Elam, people would have said maybe that's a reach. Yeah. But Christian Watson's a great player. But Traylon Burks is a giant bust at 18. So it's with the receivers, you kind of have to pick your poison a little bit. But I just don't think the idea of reaching, unless the grades are dramatic, I think I'm okay with that. Well, let's remember, as you guys know, what happens over the next month is going to dictate a little bit of this as well, right? I mean, you have free agency coming up. And, you know, Jeremy, just circle back to your very first question about, you know, buzz and what's been happening. It's not like necessarily buzz about the league but as far as the bills one thing that you know i am I'm, I'm more confident here now saying is they'll they'll have more to operate with now not just because the cap, cap went up i i guess the way i'd put it is i think the bills feel better about their cap situation than what we make it out to be you know what i mean like fans are like oh my god they're in cap hell and yeah. i don't think that's the case now they're they're not going they don't have 90 million like the tennessee titans have right i mean that's wild but I do think, like coming out of this combine, even listening to Brandon Bean, they're they're not panicking. They 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 have an ability to do some things and operate a little bit. And I think they their cap situation internally seems better, like the way they feel about it, than even we feel about it, which is really interesting. Yeah, I was looking at their cap situation for next year too, because you know they have negative forty million right now, but they'll get that under control, and in in part with cuts, in part by eating into some of next year. Like they're not unhealthy on next year's cap, but as long as they don't eat it all up by next year, it'll be just like a normal year. And in two years, they have tons of room. So yeah, the cap means you can't necessarily participate in free agency the way that you have maybe in years past. But you know, Sal, I don't know if you saw the guy going around saying the Bills should trade Josh Allen for the first and ninth <laughs> pick so they could reset that. I have not seen that. Okay, it's it's not. Don't it's, don't worry. Don't don't look it's, for it. It's fine. It's I'm fine. not missing anything, right? No, no. <laughs> it was the Bills should trade sure. Allen for the first and ninth pick. Who says no? The Bills or the Bears? Like, come on, please. But half his point was they should do it to reset their cap. Huh. It's like if you think their cap mm-hmm. is so bad, they should trade Josh Allen. I have a feeling you might not understand that the cap is you know work workable <laughs> here. Anyway. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, but that that but the Bears should absolutely trade it for the for that reason. Yes. Like that's the biggest reason why. Even if you feel okay, you might just say like Caleb Williams just way better than Justin Fields, and that's fine. But Justin Fields, if Justin Fields is never going to be a true franchise quarterback, you get a chance to reset and not have to pay yeah. him, and you can now figure this out for four more years. That is the exact reason why they should do it. Absolutely. One other story I saw from the combine before I let you go, and I'm going to bring this up with Nate. There's a thought, a belief that the Dolphins and Tua are getting to work on an extension, and that is yes. going to be an interesting one because you know it's the passage of time, but I don't think anybody thinks he's the best. And I'm waiting for a quarterback – to not get paid the most, right? Just, hey, what if he settles in at $42 million instead of 50 or whatever it is? We'll see. But the Dolphins, how that's worked, how many years they would be definitely tied to him. You know, Daniel Jones got extended in, in New York, and they'd probably like to get out of that already. Quarterbacks that play get extended and get paid. And Tua is polarizing, but he's definitely due uh, an increase in his paycheck, so something else to watch. For the yeah, and, and and I think they, if, if if you're the Dolphins, you have to do that. You, you, I don't know what the number looks like, 
But you you have to do that. The guy led the league in passing yards. He stayed healthy last year. I mean, he he's still he's a good quarterback. And I understand that you know there's he's in this system where he really helps him. But I just think it would be not smart if the Dolphins didn't actually pay him to make sure he was their quarterback at least for the next little while. The question is how much that's going to happen. Oh, by the way, though, the other story that came out yesterday, a little bit later in the day, though, was. This whole thing with the uh, Chiefs' possible tampering. Have you guys touched on that today? No, I've not seen the Chiefs. I've only seen the Chiefs, how their owner is terrible, and the players hate everything about the franchise except for Mahomes and Andy Reid. Okay, so 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 basically, and you can do a little research in the break to make sure I, I have this right and you get it right. So basically what happened was, Nicole Hardman did an interview, a really in-depth interview recently, like this week. Maybe Ryan Clark, I don't know for sure. It might have been Ryan Clark in the pivot. And they said, what went wrong with the Jets? And he said, you know, they wanted me to return punts. I didn't like, I, apparently him and the special teams coach had beef and he didn't like the special teams coach. And they're, he's like, I'm not doing it. I was injured. He misled me. He was just trashing him. And then he goes, and it really is, I wasn't in a good spot. He said, that's when I told Mahomes and Reed, come get me. Yeah. He's under contract. Gotcha. And that quote actually like got out there. So people are like, wait a minute, what do you mean? You told Mahomes and Reed to come get you. You're playing for the New York Jets. He actually did get traded, obviously, to the Chiefs, right? So Joe Douglas of the Jets, the GM, was asked about this yesterday. And he said, let's just say it raised some eyebrows in our organization. Okay. Something like that. Let's just say we're paying attention to this. Two things. One, I think that means the Chiefs' Super Bowl is vacated. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> number two, to add to this, we're very late for the break. I'm sorry, but I got I, I to get you this. Connor Hughes tweeted this. There is belief from the Jets that Hardman leaked game plans to opponents. Yes. That he leaked Unbelievable. The, the game plan to the Eagles. Look, go re- look at Sauce Gardner tweeted this. He deleted it. Yeah. Sauce Gardner said something about, oh, now I know why our Eagles game plan was, our game plan was leaked to the Eagles. Yes. And he deleted it. They thought, they, they, they really believe that Mecole Hardman leaked the game plan for the Jets to the Eagles and the Chiefs. Now, I would just say. Welcome to the combine, baby. Yeah, uh, maybe the Jets were just bad. That's very possible. You know, okay. All right, Sal, we kept you very long. Thank you. You got it. Sal Capaccio from Indianapolis, covered the Combine on WGR, brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life, awaken180weightloss.com, and by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Jeremy and Nate with you, talking uh, permission to seek a trade. We've seen that on a few players. I want to talk about the difference between you can seek a trade and you can seek a trade because it's not exactly the same. That's right. Even though the same phrase is used. That, plenty of bills, chatter as well. 8 o'clock, we'll get into it with cover ones. Uh, Anthony Prosca, who's going to join us, he's pro ant on Twitter. We'll uh, get into that, chop up some defensive line, some wide receiver. It's all coming up here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.